Hello and welcome to another episode of the Portable Magic Dispenser, a podcast for your school library, public library. My name is Lucas Maxwell and I'm the host of this thing. And uh, what I'm going to do today is talk about uh, bringing older students into the library, getting them engaged in library programs. Um, Here at the school that I work at, we have ages 11 to 19. Uh, After they become, you know, 14, 15, it can be harder, in my opinion, to attract them in. There can be a lot of um, other things going on with school, life, etc. Um, there's always a dip in kind of like reading for pleasure around that age, maybe even younger, 13 maybe. Um, so what I suggest is that, uh, by the way, if you ever want, um, this is a complete sidetrack, if you ever, I do a... I send out a monthly newsletter with like library ideas in it. Uh, there you can get that if you want to email me uh, at lml at uh, glenthorne g l e n t h o r n e dot sutton s u t t o n dot s c h dot u k. You can have that arrive in your inbox uh, each month. And it's just library program ideas, display ideas, reading for pleasure initiatives from different librarians around the world and myself. So uh, it's all free, of course. I don't make anybody charge for anything. So um, some of these ideas will end up in there, I'm sure. <clears throat> so first off, I I was I would mention that, and I talked about this with the uh, uh, School Library Association presentation I did recently, which was a lot of fun on this topic, but... Um, I would suggest meeting with your line manager and the senior leadership team, if you can, um, to set up meetings with subject leaders and middle leaders and even heads of year and student council. Those have been really uh, crucial for me to get into um, different subjects and different classes and bring in older year groups. So that's uh, something I would really recommend. So one activity, the main activity really, is the Student Library Assistant Program, which I highly recommend. So what we're seeing is students who start maybe in year eight and going through right through the sixth form. And it's a great way for them to, A, become respected members of the library, but also to have a say in steering library, you know, programs and steering the direction of the library. I, I have discussions with them as much as I can. Um, you know, it's very loosely formed steering committee, but it's uh, at least it's um, giving them a voice and giving them a chance to, yes, they are behind the desk, you know, checking books in and out, but they're also taking part in many other activities to help with displays, to help um, lead programs and host programs. Um one most recently was our uh, Lego building tournament, which was hosted and and judged by completely by uh, year eleven students, which was really great. And I um, um, I'll talk about that in another episode of this uh, podcast. But uh, um, that was uh, that was really great. And so to have them here uh, in this in the library. Uh, where year sevens are coming in and seeing, you know, sixth form students behind the desk, seeing year tens, elevens, and twelves behind the desk, uh, working in this capacity, being respected members of the library, showing courtesy, um, you know, respecting the, the material, recommending books, talking about books, etc., um, is I think quite powerful because yes, they're expecting me to be here, the adult, but 
maybe they don't expect a six former to be behind the desk, uh, you know, kind of showing them around, recommending books, leading programs and stuff like that. So I think that has a big impact. Uh, I should also mention that the Pupil Library Assistant of the Year uh, uh, Award through the School Library Association is open now, which is really cool. It was... uh, it had to go away for a while because of the pandemic, et cetera, of course, but it's back open. You've got until the 6th of March to uh, to get your uh, nominations in for your student library assistant, pupil library assistant, so please do that. Um, based on um, older students recommending books, uh, we used to do a program, which I haven't done in a little while, but I was, I'm hoping to start up again, which is essentially having older students, and again, we used to do this quite often, having older students who work behind the desk um, travel to tutor times or homeroom times, whatever you want to call it, that period before period one starts, it's that that section of time before period one starts where you registered in for the day um, and you have a teacher, homeroom teacher or tutor time teacher, which I say in the UK, uh, just going over the things that they need to go over, doing activities, etc., um, some of our older students visit uh, the younger students and, and promote age-appropriate books, comics, manga, or programs. And uh, it was it's a lot of fun. It, it was really popular with everyone. You know, I clear it with the teachers. You say, look, is it okay if uh, one of our amazing year 11s comes and talks to you, your class about something, on and on. So, um, again, I think that has a huge impact. Uh, instead of a teacher coming in, instead of me coming in, there is a, a student coming in, uh, you know, talking about the library, talking about the great things that the library is doing, and uh, that makes it even more popular, uh, in my opinion. So there we go. Um, uh, one thing that is huge, and this was a result of our uh, me having a conversation with uh, senior leadership, and that's our tutor time reading program. And that means that every student in year 11, well, every student in school, but every student in year 11, uh, for sure, uh, is reading the same book uh, at tutor time. And they do rotate these books around, different different form groups, I should say. But um, for simplicity's sake, they're all reading the same book. And the, the book they read is um, this year is uh, Run Rebel by Manjeet Man, which I cannot um, recommend enough. It's a novel in verse, which is really good. In many ways, it's, I mean, it's an amazing book, but um, from a reader's perspective, from a librarian's perspective, it's good because it it, uh, it is a very thick book when you grab it. And that, honestly, thickness of books puts students off uh, immediately. But then when you open it up, you go, oh, this is a book I could get through. Uh, for some students, it's a big deal uh, because it's written in verse. So it's it's got it's more sparse. There's a lot of white space, which is a, another big deal, especially for students who might be dyslexic or struggle with uh, with reading or struggle with confidence. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, when I was a kid, comic books were all I read for a very long time, I think because I loved, A, the feeling of accomplishment, but I also loved how, <laughs> unfortunately, I've talked about this before, about violent and uh, outrageous they were, and, uh, you know, it was just really cool. Um, so a book like Run Rebel, which is devastating uh, in many ways, it is a very sad book, but... Uh, this uh, culminated, uh, you know, students reading this book culminated in, a, in an author visit from Manjeet Man, and one of our year 11s interviewed her for our podcast. It was really cool. So all this stuff together, um, again, it makes a big difference, and it, it brings them into the library, and, you know, knowing that they can engage in many different texts and many different activities. Um, we also had a boys' reading club, and that happened um, a while ago where... It happened again during the AM registration time. Um, members of senior leadership 
and myself were in small groups discussing um, reading that had been assigned through the week. So it happened uh, once a week. And um, so I would have a group of maybe five kids. Um, the head teacher would come in with a group of maybe five, on and on, my, my line manager at the time. And we read Straight Outta Cronkton. This was the year 10s by Alex Weedle. Uh, Straight Outta Cronkton, again, um, Alex Weedle's books I cannot uh, uh, recommend enough as well. And we, again, we're very lucky that he was able to come and visit. And his visit was, again, heartbreaking, um, devastating, again, to, to, to hear, and pretty astounding um, to hear someone survive what he survived. And to come out on the other side of it, um, completely a changed person, of course, and uh, someone who was I would call driven, and someone who I would call um, uh, world-wise. <laughs> I don't know how to describe this guy. He was absolutely amazing, and our students were able to interview him, and his life is pretty um, uh something you just have to hear to believe from his mouth is um, something else. So uh, this, you know, you could hear a pin drop when he was meeting these boys and they read his book. So to hear all this and to to read this book together um, and to meet the guy, uh, I think that they, it really had a huge impact on him, on, sorry, on, or maybe it did on him, but on, on them. Uh, and then we read, of course, Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds, which is an amazing book uh, together. And that also was a great experience. Um, I cannot stress enough that um, is uh, getting in manga and graphic novels. Now, I don't have uh, – I'm not going to go through a list, a big list of them, but um, there are many lists and things like that. I would recommend seeking out Ashley Hawkins, a manga librarian, on Twitter and um, – uh, or anywhere and uh, seeking out her lists and things like that um, but my point I guess is having manga and co uh, comic books um, has kept uh, older students in the library and reading manga especially is massive so I cannot recommend that stuff enough uh, building a collection having a dedicated manga section where um, you have material there that they can access and engage in has changed um, the dynamic of the library, to, to be honest. Uh, manga and comics are certainly our most um, sought-after item at the moment, uh, along with murder mysteries. <laughs> um, so get those in if you can. And I know they're not cheap, but fill your library with them. Uh, there's so many great comics out there now. Um, you can't uh, You can't go wrong, to be honest. So um, I would just say that. Just build your collection as much as possible. Um, well, I'm going to do another uh, podcast, I think, on Manga Club activities, which I may have done already, but uh, I'll do another one. Um, but Manga Club, uh, we have Key Stage 4, Key Stage 5 students who have led them, and it's many different activities like, uh, of course, discussing manga. We don't all read the same because we have an age group range of ages 11 up to, like, 18, so it's it's impossible, really. But they play games. Uh, they, we do things like finish this comic. Um, we do things like uh, Pictionary, um, Shiratori, where you say a word, a manga or anime-related word. So let me think like uh, Naruto ends in O. What is that word? Yeah, so whatever the word ends in, you have to say another word, manga-related, that starts with that letter, the last letter. 
So for Naruto, it's oh, maybe I'll say One Piece, and of course E is the last word, last letter. Someone has to think of a character or manga or something anime based that starts with E. On and on. If you can't do it, um, you get out. And again, we've got students overseeing it, um, students running the games and activities. Sometimes we watch films and stuff like that. It's it's a lot of fun, uh, but they help lead, which is cool. Um, Bar mock trial. I've talked about um, setting up a good mock trial team. I have a whole podcast to get it dedicated to mock trial. Um, it is fairly cheap to enter. There is a bar mock trial which is open to years ten plus. You're given two cases. The cases we were given this year. So you're given two court cases with witness statements, the law. You know what the law means in this context, um, and any information you need. And you have to assign people roles. So you assign students the role of witnesses, barristers, ushers, court clerk. Um, there has to be a jury as well, and they are um, they rehearse. Um, the court cases we were given this year, one was about a guy who got a teen, older teen who got caught with 150 pills of ecstasy in his car boot. <laughs> so there you go. And that had to be dealt with. Um, <laughs> had to be dealt with. Yes, uh, you know, they're trying to get off on it, you know, uh, get off the, the charge, I should say. And it's hard. So you have to have uh, witnesses who say, yeah, he's a dodgy character. He hangs around with dodgy people. He was acting suspicious on the day of the event. Blah, blah, blah. You've got police police uh, people talking, and you compete against other schools. Um, the other case was a nightclub, drunken nightclub uh, per- person in the in the queue, gets annoyed he's not, they're not let in, um, and punches the bouncer in the face. Uh, the bouncer says they punched him in the face. The, the defendant says the bouncer punched him in the face. It's a... Uh, and uh, they have to prove it. It's really tricky. But the, what you find is that um, not only are they competing as other schools all over the country, um, we took a team up to Stratford-upon-Avon the other uh, last weekend and came second place, which was amazing. Um, they are doing a ton of reading and a ton of researching and a ton of writing. Um, it also establishes, the, if you're having them in the library, it establishes the library as the place to be. They are really engaged in this. It gets really hectic. It gets really almost emotional in many ways because they are investing so much time. They are writing copious amounts of notes. They we have a script for them that they that they tweak and they they rewrite and and go over and examine. It's really good. Um, they they uh, again. The amount of reading that they do for this is a lot. It's almost, again, like a sneaky style, like reading for pleasure because they are doing a lot of it. Um, and they are amazing kids. So I cannot recommend the the mock trial um, enough, to be honest. Um, so on top of that, you've got debate, which I love doing. A lot of our mock trial kids do debate, but it's a smaller group. We usually have around three students. And we do this through the English-speaking union. Again, it's really cheap to enter. We have a year 10 and 11 team. They are learning independent research skills, of course, debate skills, which is a very specific style of debate. I'm not good at it personally, but I'm good at kind of researching with them. Let's find the information, and this is how you do it. We watch videos of people doing it. We get ourselves sorted out. Um, again, they engage in a ton of reading and a ton of writing. They have to write speeches, seven minutes 
long, and then they have to prepare rebuttals. So I write a speech for the opposition or whatever team they're going up against, and I do a, a mock kind of uh, you know version of what I think they're going to present, and they have to kind of rebut me. They have to come at me with what they have they have in store. I have to rebut them. I have to interrupt their speech because you're allowed to interrupt, and it is really hectic. I mean, this year we did not go through to the to the other rounds, but um, came very close. And I feel like we have in the past gone through and, and won quite a few rounds. It was really fun. Again, they're using the library. These students are using the library as a base uh, when they might not very use it very much uh, in the past. So. Uh, debate is something I would really recommend getting involved in. Um, I can't. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons. I've talked a million times about, uh, but we have a we have uh, three uh, key stage four, key stage five uh, team dungeon masters. Three of them doing three separate things, events with uh, with groups. One of them is running a group almost entirely with year sevens, and. The benefits of D&D very quickly, I mean, it builds empathy and understanding, there's public speaking skills, teamwork, creative writing, debate, you know, planning, it's a moral training ground, there's a ton of reading for pleasure, an absolute ton. They are learning um, organization uh, at a very, very high degree, these teen dungeon masters, they have to keep everything organized and under control, I mean, I'm there and these all the kids are great but it takes a lot it is a exercise in you know project management uh, behavior management they are keeping these guys under control um, and engaged with stories they're doing voices it's an acting gig it's a creative writing job it is an in <laughs> um, you know you have to be very um, what am I trying to say improvisational job uh, it is such an amazing uh, program. I cannot uh, stress that enough. And very shamelessly, I have this book coming out on Thursday the 9th called Let's Roll, A Guide to Setting Up Tabletop Role-Playing Games in Your School or Public Library. So that would be <laughs> um, something I would recommend buying through Facet, Pub uh, Facet Publishing or ALA if you're in the U.S. Um, <laughs> uh the podcasting aspect is something that has been really popular with their older students as well. They interview authors, they interview each other. They're learning editing, technical skills. Our students have written the um, the uh, introduction to their podcast. They've done the uh, with music. They've done the actual hello, welcome to. They call it the Booklings Chat because they call themselves the Booklings. That's was. Uh, that was a name created by your t nine or ten students uh, about seven, eight years ago when um, they, the book club wanted to call themselves the Booklings. They were on the verge of meeting Holly Bourne, who was one of our first author visits, and she was absolutely amazing. And that was, um, that was, uh, that was the start of it. So I kind of used the Booklings moniker as a, like a branding thing. We have our book award, the Booklings Book Award, it's called. Um, so yeah, there's always that happening. Uh, I've talked about the tutor time book chats. Another thing that's really cool is that um, we're having key stage four and five students uh, learn about misinformation, and through that, creating their own misinformation stories. I just give them images, and they create a sensational headline. But the thing is, they have to give. We have to work out one that's real. If that makes sense. That sounds sensational, but is real. And they're going to deliver these stories to younger students to teach them about spotting, analyzing misinformation, the difference between disinformation and misinformation, 
and these younger students are going to have to work out which ones are real and which ones aren't. Uh, I'm really excited to do that. I think it'll be um, a lot of fun. <laughs> I hope so, anyway. Um, we use the key stage four and five students as um, kind of like guinea pigs, <laughs> I would say, um, to act as our test subjects to help tweak the program for younger audiences uh, with our literary escape room. Uh, my amazing colleague in the library has made a really complex and engaging literary uh, escape room, library escape room, where they learn how to use the library uh, through the escape room. And I'm really happy to say that we did it with uh, teachers as a, like a form of um, continued professional development, and it was a huge hit. So <laughs> I, again, cannot recommend that enough. It's, uh, it's a, something that we can, I can send anybody who wants to, to learn about it. Um, but it's, uh, it's huge. Yeah, it's a big program. It's one of our most popular ones that students continually uh, ask for. So that's something that's been a lot of fun. So I would really, <coughs> really recommend that. And really it's about uh, also visiting classrooms, and that seems pretty basic, but you can visit classrooms and, and introduce yourself and promote books. Um, again, the subject leader thing I forgot to mention, going back to meeting subject leaders, can can develop in these really cool relationships. So, for instance, um, I meet regularly, like once, twice a year. I should say not regularly, but a few times a year for um, sixth form, so older students um, taking dance. If they're, um, if they're doing a dance around a specific topic, I'll help break that topic down and explain what it's really about at its core. Sometimes it's a poem, sometimes it's a painting, sometimes it's a, uh, it's a book like Gulliver's Travels they had to do one time. Um, sometimes I meet with music and break down. They have to try, write a musical piece around uh, like Brave New World, for instance, so I help them understand that text. So I hope this was uh, useful to think of ideas maybe to bring in uh, older students to the library. I, I mean, you have to figure out what works best for your space. I wouldn't recommend doing everything all at once. Um, I would recommend <laughs> starting slow and I guess just having conversations with students and teachers and things and your mind manager if they're supportive. I hope they are. I mean, I'm really lucky that ours here at Glenthorne are very supportive of the library and reading for pleasure. Um, but I think conversations are the key. Uh, especially with the students, giving them kind of control over the library, giving them a little bit of ownership uh, or a lot of ownership and just letting them know that this is their space and they can they can mold it to the way they want to within with your kind of like uh, management, with your kind of like steering it in, in many different directions. And there's all kinds of cool ways and things you can do. So, again, I hope that was useful and I'll uh, have another episode up hopefully very soon. Take care and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.